0: Breaking news, friends. This is the special edition of the Hammer podcast. That's right. If you were in the sermon Sunday just this morning even, you heard Pastor Mike talk about this special edition of the Hammer podcast brought from the Hammerheads to you. So,
1: that's right. That's very, right. Very special.
0: So, uh, you know, as we dive into this special edition, um, can you just you brought it up a little bit on this morning, yeah, yeah right, but um, can you tell us why we're here what what yeah. the goal, what the plan is of this
1: yeah, so you know sermon prep takes on a life of its own, you know, and so, as I began the beginning of the week to work on the last you know parable here and finish up chapter thirteen parables, it was kind of like, okay, where do I go in my sermon? you know, I could do a whole thing on the kingdom of God, right? you know, Old Testament, and then these parables, and then Revelation 20, and how all of this fits together. And I thought about doing that. And that would have been fine to do that on a Sunday morning. Um, then I thought, you know, I don't know how much of my audience, I mean, we've got some people there that this is the first, they've never even heard about the kingdom of God until these parables, right? Right. So am I really, you know... How much of my audience am I hitting? So I thought that it would be better in our certain in the sermon to. I really wanted to make it a little more practical, but put the focal point on on the reality of hell and and evangelism in our own lives and, and all of that. So I wanted to focus on that.
0: Yeah, that's good. And yeah. then
1: take this and use this podcast as a tool uh, for those that wanted to know more to take the time to click on listen and. And to fill out what, what, what I would have filled out possibly, you know, in a sermon on a Sunday morning about the kingdom and uh really how how the Revelation twenty kingdom ties into what we're seeing with the parables, the kingdom, this mystery kingdom, if you will, or this this facet uh where Jesus is, is filling us in on these hidden secrets that were never known before.
0: Yeah about no, that's this good. kingdom. So well, and I think just you know, as we take a pause, this might be the first time some of you guys have tuned in, and this is uh, this is a reason to hit the subscribe button on Spotify, get the notifications, and join us every time a new episode drops. But yeah, so let's carry on with the yeah, the topic yeah. at hand.
1: Yeah. So look, the the basic idea, uh, the basic idea f- uh, from what we've been from what we've been seeing and. Matthew thirteen, right? And the parables and, and everything is kind of this. In the Old Testament, we have prophecies, and we'll talk a little bit more about this in a minute. But we have some we have Old Testament prophecies about what, what I'll call a kingdom period, right? Mm-hmm. But about some sort of period uh, that doesn't fit the here and now, but doesn't fit the eternal state in heaven. Either, right? Okay. Uh, So we have these Old Testament prophecies about some sort of kingdom period, and then we look in the New Testament and we have Revelation chapter 20. You know, we have this thousand-year time period mentioned. Uh, And then what I'm saying is that ultimately what we have are these Old Testament prophecies about a kingdom period, and you can draw a straight line from those Old Testament prophecies, some of which I'll mention in a moment, all the way to Revelation 20 and i'm saying these old testament prophecies will be fulfilled in the revelation 20 kingdom right but in between there in between the old testament prophecies and the kingdom in revelation 20 we we have this current facet of the kingdom so you know if i had some sort of a chart you know i'd have these old testament pro- prophecies with a with, with a uh, overarching arrow going straight to Revelation twenty, and then in between there, I'd have this current facet of the kingdom which Jesus is describing, and letting us know that we that exist and mm-hmm. that we're in in these Matthew thirteen parables.
0: Right, and that part of the kingdom was unknown to the Old Testament audience.
1: Absolutely, that's, that's why
0: he calls yes. it a mystery. It was it's always known in the eternal mind of God. Of course,
1: yes, right. But it's being Very revealed. Good.
0: Yes. Now, as yep. Jesus is laying things out in the parables.
1: Right. And that's a good clarification, because we're not saying, as some do, we're not saying that, you know, oh, you know, God was kind of like, huh, all right, well, they rejected the Messiah. You know, what do we do Quick, now? Quick, hurry up. We need a plan no, B. No, it's He always knew, of course, in his omniscience, everything that was going to happen. And he allows everything that's going to happen, right? Right.
0: He ordains everything uh, He that ordains happens. everything that's going to
1: happen, right. Uh, so... You know, so he he knows all of this, so he had all of this planned. But, you know, if you go back in the Old Testament and you say, well, wait a minute, I didn't read anything in the Old Testament about the, this former, current facet of the kingdom that he's laying out in these parables. Well, exactly, that's the whole point. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's important to note that what we don't want to do, what some people do, is they say, oh, well, see, you know, the apostles and John the Baptist, they were anticipating Jesus to come and set up a kingdom— and uh and they just completely were wrong on all of that and so what what Jesus is doing in these parables in Matthew 13 is is uh is fixing their false view right he he's clarifying things and showing them where they were wrong no that's not what he says mhm that's not what he's doing what he's doing is revealing truth that he's never revealed before right and the truth that he's revealing is Okay, fine, you're anticipating me setting up a kingdom. Well, I'm coming twice, not just once. Right. Which which, which again they wouldn't have known just right. from reading the Old Testament, right? Right. We can now cuz we look back.
0: Right, we've seen it. We've we've lived through the well, right. we didn't live through, but the first advent has happened.
1: Right. So, you know, so we have to put ourselves in their sandals once again. Yeah. So to speak, right?
0: Well, and I think an interesting point too is that sometimes in this whole discussion, The idea of the mystery gets, it it turns into this idea that the whole Old Testament is a mystery. Yeah. And Jesus is the key that unlocks everything about the Old Testament in its entirety. As if when Moses wrote, when Abraham listened, you know, when David and Solomon, when all these guys were going around, everything they read was unintelligible to them, because without Jesus to unlock it, yeah, it's yeah, unknown. Well, that's
1: no, that's that's uh, that's just simply wrong. Now, look, we can, we, you read the Old Testament, and it opens our eyes to some things in the Old Testament, right? Progressive revelation, right? But to say that we can't make out anything in the Old Testament, you know, yeah. or, or understand anything without the New Testament, uh, I think is is foolish and wrong. Because, uh, I, well, I just don't think that that's. Right, I mean right. that's not the way it is. You know, there's right. a very small percentage of things in the Old Testament that we don't really know or understand until we get the Old Testament. Until we get the New Testament,
0: okay? But, but those are limited, but and they define very, themselves.
1: Right, very limited. But but in relation to the parables in chapter thirteen, Jesus clearly says the the mysteries, right of. Of the kingdom, mm-hmm. you know they're for you to know, right? Speaking to the disciples, that they're for you to know by extension to us, all believers. So I'm going to reveal these to you in these parables. So, and then as we did, we've we've done in some of our sermons here on Matthew 13, but several times in the New Testament, that word for mystery is used, and several times it's even defined, and mm-hmm. we gave those throughout the series where the Bible itself says, "Yes, these are things that were hidden, but now God is revealing." Them. Right. So, uh,
0: yeah, I think it's just it's helpful yeah. to like step back for a minute and realize that the mysteries are are limited, right? In their scope, they're speaking yes. about certain things, certain truths that are in the eternal mind of God being revealed now after the first advent of Christ coming. Correct. But it's it's hard to it's easy, I think, for newer believers to get confused on all that and think that you know, if we throw Jesus around on everything, that it somehow yeah. is the better way, right? And the, that can create yeah. confusions if you're not willing to see that the mysteries are...
1: Yeah, well, that gets into a whole hermeneutic and, right, and what right. they're doing and all that. But but, but what I want to say, getting back to, to our, our parables here, uh, a common error that is made, uh, in my estimation, when it comes to the kingdom of God, a common error that is made is insisting that the kingdom of God is only future. Mm-hmm. So somebody looks at Revelation chapter twenty and says, "Yes, this is the Old Testament was talking about this kingdom period." Now Revelation chapter twenty, we, we see it, and and they and and some will insist that that is the kingdom and that alone
0: and nothing so, else. Right.
1: So it is future. It is this millennial kingdom or messianic, you know, that most Jews would refer to it as messianic. Most Gentiles millennial, but meaning the same thing, right? Uh, this thousand-year period. Um, so so you don't want to make that error and insist that it is only future. And I'll be honest, I'll be the first one to raise my hand, that for many years that, that was an error that I made. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then there were verses that I would read... And, you know, wouldn't really make sense, but I'd kind of just explain them away, right? So so that's one common error, insisting that the kingdom is only future, all right? Now, another common error is to take the Revelation 20 kingdom Mm -hmm. and try to put it in these parables, try to put it in the here and now. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? As if to say what's happening now between Christ's two comings is the Revelation twenty kingdom. Mm-hmm. Is the is the kingdom that the Old Testament talks about. Right. No, it's not. It's not. And so if you take the if you take that, and of course if you follow in our other podcasts, you know, this would be I would suggest a mistake that the amillennialists and postmillennialists make. If you take that Revelation twenty Kingdom and try to make that here and now. It's going to be a problem. But then on the other hand, what many premillennialists do, right, and where they err, in my estimation, is 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 taking the Revelation twenty kingdom as being all that there's going to be in terms of God's kingdom, right? And so they say none of it's here. There's no facet now because uh, it's future,
0: right? Which so, so we
1: want to right, and the thing is, if we avoid both of those extremes, right, mm-hmm. saying it's all future, it's Revelation twenty, or saying, hey, the Revelation twenty kingdom is here now, then we can avoid if if we if we just understand this one thing, then it really gets us out of a lot of difficult exegetical issues. You know, now we don't have to start, you know, claiming resurrection somehow means regeneration in Revelation twenty that somehow. Uh, uh, Satan really isn't chained up. Uh, the abyss really doesn't mean the abyss for him. Yeah. Uh, you know, a thousand, oh, it can't be a thousand years because it's been over two thousand years now. So what if he, we, we don't. We can throw all of that out. Mm-hmm. And then when Jesus says, you know, for the for the pre-millennialism, you know, when Jesus says, hey, the kingdom of God has come upon you, you know, if you see me casting out demons, we don't have to explain that away. We, we can because there's a facet of the kingdom now, right? So just avoiding that error, right? in and of itself, helps us a tremendous amount in trying to understand what God's teaching about His kingdom and Scripture.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, for someone that's cautious and says, well, oh, facets, that makes them uncomfortable. I mean, look at the one thing that we all agree on is salvation by faith alone and Christ alone, and that has facets to it, right? There's the justification piece— the sanctification piece and the glorification piece. Yeah. And if you if you misappropriate those facets or focus solely on one of the facets, yes. you miss salvation entirely.
1: Ah, uh, yes. You can right. There can you can get into a lot of trouble yeah. doing that exegetically. And that's why you always have to right when when Scripture speaks of salvation, you always have to. Okay, is this justification? Right. The the initial salvation right when we become saved right. is this sanctification becoming more like Christ in our Christian life is a glorification, right? The final state, yeah. which we have to die or, you know, be here when the Lord comes back to reach that stage, right? right. But you always have to ask which which one is being emphasized. Right. Sometimes all of them are, but typically one of them will be. And if you get that wrong, well, you can do all kinds of trouble, right? right. And, and, and to yourself, and that's the same thing like, you know, we're going through Matthew, right? Okay, so when Jesus says something like, like you know, you're not going to, you know, see me do this again until you know I'm in the kingdom. You know, drinking wine with you know Ab- Abraham grape juice, grape, uh, grape juice. juice. I mean, with Abraham, Isaac, and and Jacob, or whatever, right? Yeah. Uh. Well, okay, that clearly isn't right here now. So that that would be a reference to the future kingdom, i.e., the Revelation 20 right kingdom, right? Right. Uh. And then you have other. So so there are some verses. So anytime we see in the New Testament you know, kingdom, or verses about Jesus mentions a kingdom, we have to look in the context to know, is he talking about this facet that we're in now? Right. Or is he talking about the future facet, right? So, and sometimes we may not know.
0: Right, which is uh, also okay. It's okay for us not right, to...
1: Right, But, but often we will. But if we fail to recognize the different facets, then I think we're going to be in a lot of trouble, and we're going to have to explain a lot of Scripture away. Right. And that's the point, really, that, you know, that, that I've been trying to make... Uh, on Sunday mornings.
0: Yeah, that's good. All right, well, so the Old Testament, it calls Mm -hmm. for... If you were to take a plain reading of the Old Testament... Yes. It seems to call for some sort of unique time period.
1: Right. Yes, okay. So the Old Testament uh, speaks of an era that does not currently fit. In other words, it, it presents things for us, mm-hmm. and we look at it and we say, hmm, that doesn't fit the here and now. Like, yeah. that doesn't fit life on earth right now as we know it, but then it also doesn't fit the eternal state, right, Right? when, when we're in, in in heaven for eternity, no sin, right, yeah. glorified bodies, it, it's...
0: New heavens, new earth, right. Right, right.
1: So we look and say, well, you know, it doesn't fit with the here and now or with the eternal state. So therefore, it seems like it would call for another time period, right? i.e., the millennial, the messianic kingdom. Uh, you know, Wayne Grudem is one you know, theologian who, along these lines, he says this. He says, several Old Testament passages seem to fit neither in the present age nor in the eternal state. These passages indicate some future stage in the history of redemption, which is far greater than the present church age but which still does not see the removal of all sin and rebellion and death from the earth. Right. So that's a more sophisticated way of saying <laughs> what I was trying to say. Um, you know, so, so what do we do with that time period? You know, look, if, if you don't take the Old Testament text that way, and, I, and we're going to read a few of them in a moment, but if you don't take some of these texts that way, then you're left really with two options. One is an option of, of fitting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You, you then have to fit these texts into one of two, two places, okay? You either have to fit them into the here and now, which very few do, because mm-hmm. it's pretty much impossible, uh, you know, you're lie in the land, laying down. I mean, yeah, if you tranquilize them, <laughs> I mean, okay, uh, so you either have to fit it in the here and now, which very few do, or you have to fit them in the eternal state, but then you've got some issues with, you know, sin and, and death and some of these, so uh now, so that would be one option, is to fit them in either of those categories, the here yeah. and now or the eternal state, and then the other option would be to spiritualize them to where they don't mean anything uh that they appear to be saying. I mean, you just yeah. can't take them at all at face value. Okay, again, Both of
0: those seem to be, like, an abuse of the text, right? right, right? Retrofitting again. it for your purposes or disregarding it's plain reading,
1: right? Well, right. With the lion and the lamb, you would have to say, "Well, it doesn't really mean a lion and a lamb. It just means, you know, there's peace, man, peace in our hearts." And right. Well, yeah, that's not what it says. It, let me. One of the most prominent texts in this argument is Isaiah 6520. 20. So let's let's read that. All right. So listen to this. No more shall there be in it an infant who lives but a few days. Or an old man who does not fill out his days. For the young man shall die a hundred years old, and the sinner a hundred years old shall be accursed. So, certainly doesn't fit the here and now, right? A young man should die at a hundred years. Old. Somebody lives to be a hundred today, which is rare, right? But when somebody lives to be a hundred today, it's, it's considered old. Right. Right, So it doesn't fit the here and now, but it also doesn't fit the eternal state, because there won't be sin, there won't be death. Right. Okay? So what do you do with a text such as this? Well, some other time period besides this current age and the eternal state would take care of that, right? Right. Now, I'm not saying it solves every issue, but it certainly helps a lot. Well, uh, and or, I
0: think, too, it's interesting yeah. to note that these—like, the reference to this unique period— this is one of the hopes of Israel, like as they're going through yeah. tribulation, as they're going through distress, he's saying, look, this time is coming, turn back, trust him, obey him. Yeah. And so these aren't like just non-significant passages.
1: Right, they each have their own historical context in which they're given, which right. is what I think you're... Hinting at right, and so if you go back and look at each of them, you know, yeah, they mean something. If they didn't mean anything, if they're just if you just completely spiritualize it away, what, what that did nothing for the immediate hearers.
0: right, and they and they were being said by the prophets to Israel to encourage them to either hope in a situation that looks hopeless, yeah, or repent in a situation that's you right, know, exactly. Unrelenting yeah, that, that's a great because point. of this future right. thing, this future unique time, yeah that is coming, right? Right. Because I think it would be easy for us to say, oh, who cares, why does this matter? These To someone who's reading the Old Testament, there are very significant passages that, as Christians, yeah. who care about God's Word, care about right. how God works, we want to pay attention to and say, how does this fit? Right, exactly. What is going on here?
1: Right, let, let, let me give you another passage, Zechariah 14. Zechariah 14, beginning in verse 1, we'll read some of this. Listen, listen to this. Behold, a day is coming... For the Lord, when the spoil taken from you will be divided in your midst, for I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses plundered, and the women raped. I mean, this is a terrible scene, but this is what is happening to, you know, he's a prophecy against Israel, right? Half of the city shall go out into exile. The rest of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then the Lord will go out and fight against those nations as when he fights on a day of battle. Verse 4, on that day his feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives that lies before Jerusalem on the east and the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from the east to west by a very wide valley so that one half of the mount shall move northward and the other half southward. In other words, that's the second coming. Mm-hmm. This is Revelation 19, okay? In uh, verse 5, And you shall flee to the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach to Azal, and you shall flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Isaiah, king of Judah. Then the Lord my God will come, and all the holy ones with him. Again, read Revelation 19, beginning in verse 11. On that day, there should be no light, cold, or frost, and there shall be a unique day which is known to the Lord neither day nor night, but at evening time there shall be light. On that day, living waters shall flow out of Jerusalem, half of them in the eastern sea, half of them in the western sea shall continue in summer as in winter. Listen to this, verse 9, And the Lord will be king over all the earth. On that day, the Lord will be one and his name one. Okay, now, we don't have time to go through this whole passage, but if you go, then if you go down some verses, Zechariah 14, go down and read verses 16 to 19, and you'll see that you still have some sin among the nations. Mm -hmm. And they're judged for that sin. Right? Well, you know, how does all this fit? Right. Well, you need a time period for this to fit into, right? You know, in the present age, right, Jesus is in heaven and the nations do not yet submit to him as king. Right. Doesn't mean he isn't king. Right. Of course he's king. He's sovereign God.
0: Right. He's always been. But he's not yeah.
1: forcing them to submit. He's allowing them, right, in his providence and his sovereignty to not fully submit to him.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Okay. So in the present age, Jesus is in heaven, the nations do not yet submit to him. In the millennial kingdom, Jesus rules the nations on earth, punishes those nations that do not act as they should. That's what you'll read here in Zechariah 14, specifically verses 16 through 19. But then in the eternal state, the nations act exactly as they should with no need of punishment. Why? Because there's no sin. There's no sin. Death, okay? So right. that that's just another passage. There there are many other passages, uh, or at least several other, I should say, right? Where you look at it and you're like, wait a minute, that doesn't fit this age and it doesn't fit the eternal state, so it seems to call for, uh, many would argue, and I would be one of them, uh, another time period. Right, right. And that would be the Revelation 20 kingdom period. Right. That time period.
0: And a facet, right? like That's right. kind of the, the right. language we're trying to use, is that that would be a facet of the rule of God right. that is being manifested for a literal thousand years— Right. It being spoken of in Revelation twenty. Right. And, and which I'm... doesn't discredit the other facets right. that we see, the current age and the eternal state, but it's taking these verses, you have right. to say there's some something happening there that doesn't fit right. either right now or the eternal state. And it's this facet of the millennial kingdom.
1: Exactly. And so I would suggest when you're reading through scripture. Uh, and you're in the New Testament now, okay, that you, you be thinking about these facets and and say, okay, when I'm reading about kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, when a statement's being made about it, is it, is it the here and now facet, um, or is it the Revelation 20? And usually in the context, it'll be pretty clear. Now, look, we don't have time to show... There are also other ways that kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven is used, right? There is certainly a spiritual sense... Jesus and Nicodemus. Mm -hmm. You shall not see the kingdom of God.
0: Right, unless you're born again.
1: Right. Excuse me. He's not just there simply, I don't think. He's just there saying, you'll never see that millennial kingdom in Revelation 20. He could be saying that. That's what he's saying. I think their kingdom of God is almost used synonymously uh, with salvation. Right. I mean... He's clearly talking to a guy that's not saved. Right. Right, And he's saying, look, you, you need to be born again. Yeah. Okay, you're born again, then you see the kingdom of God. In other words, you participate in it, the here and now and in the future, you know, all of it. Right. So there are times where it's used in, in a in almost synonymously with salvation. Uh, but again, many times you, you read it and you say, okay, is this the Revelation 20 future kingdom, or is this the facet? that Jesus talks about in the parables mm-hmm. that wasn't mentioned in the Old Testament, the current facet of the kingdom. And I think just knowing that in our minds and reading in Scripture, I think, helps us greatly uh, to understand this issue and not confuse some things. Again, doesn't mean we have every answer. Look, I couldn't tell you. Church history uh, is filled with myriads of ideas of what the nature exactly will be, exactly what will take place in, in the future Revelation 20 mm-hmm. uh, kingdom. So I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I have that all down to a T. I mean, some people act like they've got every every day of the thousand years, you know, hey, planned out as to what we're going to be doing mm-hmm. and all that. I, all right, come on. We, right? You know, that, that's silly. We, we don't know that. We don't have that, so there's a whole lot about it we don't know. Right. So there's a, a great mystery about it. Uh, but I, I think to understand that it is going to happen, and it's different than the current facet, will help us greatly uh, in Scripture. I think it also helps, you know, the all millennialists, premillennialists. We can all be at a table together. Uh and there's even more views than that we'll talk about it on our other podcast later because, you know, there's a new creation millennialism that I think is is helpful to bring into the mix here. Um, that's kind of almost a morphing between amillennialism and premillennialism, though it would still be considered premillennial. Right. But uh, anyway, but I just think this, you know, th- this will help us be more honest on our exegesis. And uh, anyway. I hope that helps.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's good because we're we're asking the question. We all would agree that God is faithful, right? When he says something, right. he's gonna bring it to pass. The the questions that we're answering is how is he faithful? When these words are written, what do they mean? And we don't it, it at least to me, when I have to do gymnastics to get to, you know, this text means this over eight different gymnastic yeah. exercises, it makes me uncomfortable. But when yeah, we can right. read the text and say, yeah, th- it says this, it means this, right? We're, we're, we're seeing that, yes, God's faithful. This is how he's faithful. This is how he is fulfilling these things, which then obviously it builds confidence in the continued providence and work of God in our lives, which is always always a good thing. So. Yep,
1: yep. Amen.
0: All right, well, I mean, that's, I guess that's it for today. We're glad you tuned in, and um, again,
1: check out the other podcast if check. you want to know more about eschatology. Yeah,
0: because we, you know, we talked about church history. We actually did an episode where we went through what the early church said on these things. We talked about the Didache, right? One of the old ancient church documents, and what it says about eschatology. So there's a lot of good stuff out there for you guys. We'd love to to add you to the Hammerhead Fold. That's so right. check us out on Spotify, and remember to hit subscribe. Thank you, and uh, we'll see you on the other side.